Welcome in to the OKC82 podcast. I am Matt Burton, your host, and I've got another host with me. I got to say, Chisholm, this is a little weird. We were just talking about this. Um, I'm the one going to be driving this and asking yeah. you the questions, um, but for everyone at home, this is Chisholm Holland from Chisholm and Chapman. You can catch him three to six every single weekday right here on 107.7 The Franchise. I don't know why I said right here, like I'm on the oh, radio we're the right building. now. We're, we're, in the we're in the building. So, but yeah, on 107.7 The Franchise, three to six, Monday through Friday, you can hear Chisholm uh, and Chapman. Uh, Chisholm, first off, man, I think you described it best one time. I, I think that you think I don't remember this, but you described this perfectly as NBA holes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the yeah, in, the NBA term hole. I've thrown around for a, a long so time. That's a, that's a great term. It was the first time I'd ever heard it, so thank you. Yes. I, again, yes. I always clarify. I stole that from Bill Simmons. Okay. I, you know what I mean? I did not come up with that, but I definitely identify with it. I love that. I love yeah. that. So it was the first time I'd heard it, so screw Bill Simmons, But um, and I'm glad his <laughs> Celtics lost. <laughs> um, yeah. Because I did not want to hear his trash talk on Twitter. But anyways, Chisholm, I think I, I know you just got done doing uh, radio, so you talked a lot about uh, the Thunder already. So it's fresh. It's fresh. Sure. We'll, we'll start this off fresh. It's fresh on your mind. Well, I mean, like, first off, by the way, yeah. exciting to be back on the OKC82 podcast. Right, Obviously, I've made a bunch of appearances over the years on yes. this thing, and uh, I was excited to hear that's coming back. I know you're going to do a great job with it. Uh, and, uh, you know, radio conversations, frankly, totally different than podcast conversations. Absolutely. Right? Like, I could, uh, we could talk about the draft in a different way that we can't in eight minutes on the absolutely, radio. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we, we don't have to get to OU football or, you know, the NFL right. on this podcast. We can right, just right. Mostly OU football. Keep it, yeah, yeah, we can just keep it strictly <laughs> – OKC Thunder, uh, but thank you for the kind words, though. I mean, I could not do a, no, as good a job as as uh, Brady and Madison did. Uh, well, I can Madison. only just hope to, yeah, well, Madison, yeah, no, you know, we all know who the brains behind the organization was, no doubt. Uh, but anyways, Chisholm, I think we just jump right in and start off at two. Uh, breaking news: the Thunder have the second pick sure. in the NBA draft. If you're just joining us, I'm okay. So I had Christine on the first pod. I had Derek on the second pod. Christine was Parker. big. Derek Parker, yes. Yeah, okay. Derek Parker on the second pod. Uh, shout out to him. Also, just a great dude. Um, Christine, she was big on Jabari Smith. Sure. She was, Jabari Smith is her one. Chet Holmgren is Derek's one. That, that is the most unshocking thing I've Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And I, I believe me and you are in the same camp. So I, everyone can be tired of me saying this about Paolo Bancaro. So I believe that we are on the same page here where uh, Paolo Bancaro is who I would probably take number one. I think he's the best player. So what I did with Christine and Derek was lay out my case for Paolo Bancaro. Sure. Now I don't have to do that. I, I would just let, they've heard me enough. Lay out your case. Yeah, so I went into it not thinking that Paolo was going to be my number one guy. I actually went into it with a little bit of a negative perception as far as like, I'm a little worried he's going to be Michael Beasley. Right. It's like, congratulations for being an incredible scorer at the college level, but yeah. you're, you're, it's going to be more difficult, and then what else are you going to bring to the table? So I started this process at the end of the college season thinking he was going to be my third best player, and I was going to be going between the Chet Holmgren theoretical existence and right. the actual existence of Jabari Smith and uh, battling that out. Uh, as I've gone through this, and I've watched a lot more Paolo, and, and I think his offensive ceiling, as far as being a hub, is just frankly a lot higher. And I I admit I'm a little bit more skeptical maybe of his defense than you are, but I do think it's being completely overblown. Yeah. Like, how does he fit on an NBA floor? 
I mean, could he play the small ball, small ball five? Sure. There's a lot of creative things you can do in the NBA now with putting guys who are in other positions to help mitigate. Like, you're going to have to build around him just like you build around Chet. Chet's not a perfect NBA player. Jabari Smith's not a perfect NBA player. So you're going to have to build around any of these guys to make them work. And so uh, for Paolo, it's just going to be on the defensive end. I think there's some things that he just won't be able to do. But he's the most physical player in this draft by a mile. I think that matters. I think he is a, a dominating presence. I think he's overwhelming at times and, and frankly, just intimidating and just like sucks the lifeblood out of teams in the ACC this year. Like, yep. so much fun to watch play just from a physical perspective. But dribble pass, right? He, he's the jump shot thing is a little shaky, but it got really good when the games mattered. So take that for what you will. But he's the best passer out of these top three guys by a pretty significant margin. Jabari Smith can't. Right, yeah. like read a double yeah. team, make the skip pass. Like that's just not in Jabari's game, and I I don't know if it ever will be because he is so much taller than everyone in college, and he was struggling with that. Like for example, Joel Embiid at Kansas uh, was great at throwing the skip pass on double teams. Yeah. Got to the NBA and struggled because people are bigger, faster, stronger. Jabari Smith is bigger than everyone in college, like Joel Embiid was, but couldn't make that pass, and so like that's worrisome. Chet, I think, is a good passer. I don't think he's a great passer. I think Powell's a great passer. So his offensive upside is just so high, uh, and, and we've already seen him be productive. And then whenever you get into like comparing him to the other two guys, the other it is well, the ceiling for those two guys is so much higher. They're going to get better. Why is Paolo stagnant, right? Like right. Paolo can get better over time as well. And if you're worried about Paolo, you're worried about the outside jump shot, which I'm not. I, I think long-term that's going to figure itself out. And you're worried about defense. And like I said, I think you can scheme around that because I think he's physical enough that he could play inside. Now, you might need to put a shot blocker on the other side. A lot of teams do that in the NBA, right? Like, Andrew Wiggins was a shot blocker this year for Golden State with Draymond Green playing center because Draymond Green's not a shot blocker. Now, Draymond Green's a great defender. But my point being is you identify the weaknesses of the guys you have on the floor and try to find a way to make up for it with the other four. I think Paolo can find a way to do that. As long as he's putting effort in, I think he's going to be a great rebounder, and I think he's going to be physical. Is he ever going to be like a plus defender? I don't know, but I don't think he's going to be as bad as some people say. I... That's my case for Paolo because Chet, his identity is going to be a, an anchor of a defense. We've seen teams with anchors of defenses that have struggled to make it to that assumption to or that that, that level of a championship team, right? Like, you know, the Jazz are an easy comparison, but even teams like the Sixers, right? Yeah. Where it's a defensive anchor is the primary player on their team who's also a great offensive player, frankly, a better offensive player than Chet probably ever will be in Joel Embiid. Right. They're struggling. So, like, if you're making, if you're giving me a choice between a top ten player who can be a top five offensive player or a top ten player who can be a top five defensive player, you take the offensive guy every time. And just look who's in the NBA Finals: Steph, right, middle of the road defender, elite offensive player; Jason Tatum, an above average defender, but an elite offensive player. Yeah. Like that side of the ball just means more. And so, that's kind of where I've sat on Paolo. Uh, th- that's just my evaluation of him. It yeah. is. I think he brings so much to the table offensively, and he doesn't take as much off defensively as, like, uh, you know, like I talked to Andrew Schleck from The Athletic, and he's a little bit more down on him than I am. I got you. And, and on the side. And you, you mentioned something the other day, too. I can't remember if I was just listening to you guys or if I was actually on with you. But you you mentioned, Paolo, too, if shot clock's, shot clock's winding down, oh, you yeah. need someone to go get a shot for you. Yeah. I think Paolo does that better than any of the top three as sure. well. Like, can go create his own Why did Why did shot. Boston struggle in the finals? Is because they kept getting down to, like, six seconds left on the shot clock and have no idea what they were going to do. Yeah. Right? No matter where Paolo goes, no matter if he becomes his apex predator that, you know, he could be, or if he's just a run-of-the-mill NBA player, no matter what, 
With five seconds left on the shot clock, you can throw it to him at the three-point line, and he is going to get off a shot, yeah. right? It might not be the best shot, but he's going to get off a shot that he can make. Yeah. That is invaluable. And we, we just saw the Celtics lose a championship because Jason Tatum couldn't do that. Now, he could do that against Milwaukee and then against Miami struggle, and so that's a whole different conversation. But like yeah. that skill of six seconds left, throw me the ball, as long as I'm within... 24 feet of the rim, right. I'm going to get off a shot, is just, it, it holds so much weight. It's why Dallas is so good, yeah. right? It's because no matter what, Luka can get a shot that he can make, no matter what. And Powell's got that got that repertoire in him, which is what makes him so appealing. Absolutely. And you mentioned, just to talk about the fit, too, like, Shea is probably the only guy that I would immediately look, immediately look to and be like, okay, yeah, he can do that already. Like, I think Josh Giddy. Could maybe get there, maybe not athletic enough and doesn't shoot it well enough, frankly, right now to be that guy where, yeah. you know, he can create his own. I, maybe Trey Mann, too. Trey Mann yeah. could get a, a three. But if you fit Paulo in there, too, there, that's just another guy where, hey, we can create from sure. basically a, a lot of p- different positions. Like The only so. negative I would say with Oklahoma City's fit with Paolo is that I – uh, I'm not as concerned. Like, there's some people who say, like, hey, Josh Giddy's a high usage player, which he is. Shea is a high usage player, which yeah. he is. And then Paolo would be a high usage player, obviously. Those three guys can't fit together. I don't believe that. I think there is a way to stagger three ball handlers, and we've seen it time and time again, right? Yeah. Big threes. But what I would say about Paolo as opposed to Jabari and Chet, who are two guys who will not have the ball a bunch, right? They're play finishers, mm-hmm. not play starters. Is that if you have Paolo with the two guys you have now in, in Giddy and Shea, the rest of your roster has to look a certain way. Yeah. It has to be guys who don't dribble, or not don't dribble, but it has to be guys who are going to be catch and shoot guys, yep. dribble closeout guys, uh, and defensive players. Like the rest of your roster does have to be tailored a certain way. So I get the appeal of Jabari or Chet from the fit with the Thunder because it lets you be way more versatile on guys four through 15. Right. Uh, I do think Paolo would handcuff Oklahoma City a little bit on what the rest of the roster needs to look like. Like I don't know if a guy like Trey Mann uh, would right. have quite the role he had last year, obviously, uh, coming off the bench if they had Paolo into, into that mix. But I, I'm not worried. I think the fit offensively, like fourth quarter, those three guys out there together, especially if, if Giddy is just slightly better as a jump shooter, Right. I, I think that fourth quarter offense can be really terrifying. Really yeah. terrifying. Do you buy any of the, and I need to pull up the actual numbers here, um, do you buy the the odds that are coming out right now? Two days ago, he was, Paolo was plus 1,600 to yeah. go number one. And he dropped and now, 600 yesterday or 800 yesterday and now he's at 400. He's, this is what uh, my buddy just texted me like 30 minutes before we got up here. Uh said Paolo's actually passed Chet in odds now. He's plus 120. To be the number two pick? To be the number one pick. Number one pick? Yeah. Jabari's still minus 150. Paolo's plus 120. And Chet is plus 150. Um, Do you buy this or is this just, you know, a carryover from people being like, 1,600, that's pretty good odds. I buy, <laughs> like, yeah. I buy that people are talking about it. Uh, yeah. Right? Like, I, I buy that there is some narrative there. And I'm sure in Orlando, right? Like, they're 48 hours from making the biggest decision of those guys' career. Yeah. I'm sure that they are all sitting in that room right now going, are we sure? Yeah. Let's talk about oh, yeah. it all again. Let's let's, let's start over from break square it down. one. Yeah, break it yeah. down. Tell me about Jabari, right? Tell me about Chet. Tell me what they can do. Tell me what they can't do. You know, like, I'm sure they're doing all of that. So, like, is, is the pick 100% decided right now? Probably not. 
I would be pretty surprised if yeah. Paolo was not the third guy to go. And it, it goes to something we actually I actually talked about today on the radio. Draft evaluation process, right? There's two different kinds of guys. There's guys like me who just, the only thing I have is tape, right? right. I can go watch games. Yeah. And I can go watch uh, tape from high school. I can do that. And then I make my evaluation. And then there's a guy like Jonathan Gavoni from ESPN who does that, but also talks to NBA executives, right? right? In front offices. Tape guys like me, I have not found one guy whose opinion is purely based off tape like myself who does not have Palo One. Yeah. All of them. Everybody. Yeah. And I, I mean I mean that. Like everybody who's who's the better player? Palo. Who could be the better who could be the best player in this draft? Palo. We're, we're all saying the same thing. Yet, Jonathan Gavoni, Sam Amick, uh, the guys who know front offices all have him third. Why is that? Well, it's because they have access to information that I don't. For right. Sure. So that when they're doing the Where's this guy going to go in the draft? I'm looking at it of like who's going to be the best player, who should they take? They're looking at it as these NBA front offices have spoken to these kids. And so what you know what there's obviously something that they know that we don't. And yeah. so I'm not saying it is a character thing. It could be, right? Like it could be a character thing with Paolo or it could just be him walking in there saying like, "Hey, I I really am Impressed with what you guys have done? I have zero interest in playing in Oklahoma City. True. I have zero yeah. interest in playing in Orlando. I want to live in a big city. You know, I mean, that that's possible. So there, there's something missing in this equation. If every person who evaluates purely based on tape has him one, and then everybody who knows something has him three, that means that there's something off the floor, right, that's pushing him back to the Rockets. And I, I would just have to assume it's got to be a character thing or, or he doesn't want to play in a small market, which is fine. Yeah. Right? Like, if it's he doesn't want to play in a small market and he doesn't want to play in Orlando or in Oklahoma City, who've historically struggled keeping their stars, mm-hmm. if you're the Thunder in Orlando and you're getting vibes of like I don't know if he wants to be here for eight years, yeah, you know he might push his way out. I would get passing on him. I would, even yeah. if you think he's the best player. Absolutely, and um, I think I've kind of accepted the fact, and I'm okay with the fact that I think Chet will go to to the Oklahoma City Thunder. I just don't see a way that Sam Presti passes on him. When reports are, even Woj reports, that hey, he would have probably, like, if he got up to one, Sam Presti probably would have taken Evan Mobley. Still, like, he was that much yeah. in love with Evan Mobley. And, I mean, if there's a guy in a similar ilk towards Evan Mobley, it's it's Chet Holmgren in this draft. So, I mean, just your opinion on, on Chet. And, like, everyone has talked about it kind of ad nauseum. But uh, his body. I, I am not I am not worried about his body. I know, I know you might... We talked about this yesterday, but I'm not worried about it because that length, it does make up for a lot. Yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of tape where he, you know, guys are trying to shoulder him and they they think they got some space to get off something. And then, no, here's my 7-7 seven, seven wingspan. Right. And I have good hands, active hands, like, and, and just the shot gets blocked or altered either one. So I, I'm not worried about his his body. I, I still think that they'll put on, they'll put some weight on him and, um, just as much as his frame can hold, really, and him yeah. still being effective. His dad's a big guy. I don't know if you've seen photos of his dad. I have not. I did see his uh, – the only photo I've seen of his dad was at a Gonzaga game, and he had a camcorder. Oh, and it yeah. was like an old-school handheld camcorder that he, the game. Yeah, that he got in probably 2005, and right. he still has it. He just knows how to work it. Right. He, all this new HD stuff. Can't he's do like, it. Can't do it. No, can't this – the old trusty uh, Dolby or whatever it was. Right. <laughs> um, so, no, uh, but Chet Holmgren – uh, his fit with the Thunder, because I think I've kind of just accepted the fact that he's already in Oklahoma sure. City Thunder. Uh, yeah, I think Chet is, to your point, uh, kind of the conversation we have with Paolo. I think there, 
I'm concerned about rebounding because rebounding is kind of where everything goes out the window as far as the officials are concerned. Like push, shove, do whatever you right, got to yeah. do, right? Get position. Chet's going to struggle with that. He got shoved around in college, right? Like yeah. uh, now, to Chet's credit, he is incredibly aggressive, yeah. right? And like he is not like there's a lot of Thunder fans who are doing like the uh, the Pokashevsky comparison. It's like, hey, tall Caucasian male, they're the same person. <laughs> right. I'm telling you, like Chet's like a pick a fist fight kind of a player. Yeah. Upstairs, he's a totally different kind of guy, and that shows itself over and over and over again in, in his games at Gonzaga. That he's really aggressive and he's got a different kind of mindset. But he's 190 pounds and he's seven one. Yeah. So like he's gonna get pushed around, especially on the rebounding. So like we talked about with Paulo, like hey, if he's gonna play our small ball five on defense in clutch moments, then whoever's playing the four for us needs to be able to block shots or contest yeah. at the rim. Yeah. I think if you're if you're drafting Chet, you need to sit there and tell yourself our guards need to rebound. Yeah. Like we're we're gonna have to find a way to come up with more rebounds because we're not gonna have a guy down there who averages 14 in playoff games. He won't. Right. Right. So like if you're okay with that, outside of that, he has uh, the highest defensive upside in this draft outside of Jeremy Sohan. Uh, but he is an elite shot blocker. His anticipation is unbelievable. Uh, for a guy who's seven one, his ability to rip guys from off the dribble yeah. is just something I haven't seen. Like Evan Mobley wasn't doing that. Um, so on that end, I think he's an immediate solution for them in a lot of different ways. Like the reason the Thunder lost so many games last year is because nobody was protecting the rim. Chet does, yeah, uh, and will. So I think he fits in there very nicely. Offensively, it, it's a little bit more of like a wandering path. Like he's going to be able to come in and space the floor. Is he going to be a great three point shooter? I, who knows, but his shot looks good to me. Oh, yeah. Um, so it, maybe at high volume, it stays at the same rate it is right now, which is high 30s. Great. Then, then he's really mm-hmm. valuable. And Chet, in his interview, said that he uh, is a guy who can catch lobs. We didn't see that a lot of Gonzaga because he's playing with Drew Timmy, right? So what does his game look like at a high level inside the paint offensively? Because he was incredibly efficient at the rim, right? Over 80% of his shots went in at the yeah. rim at Gonzaga. So when he got close, he made it. He just didn't have a ton of opportunities because of Timmy. So his role offensively is a little bit more fluid because we just didn't see a lot at college. He mostly played a little bit of a role. Uh, he had under 20 position or under 20 possessions as a pick and roll ball handler or a screener. Mm-hmm. And I, obviously, I mean like day 1, what's Oklahoma City doing? We're going to put Shea and Chet in a or Shea and Giddy in a in a pick and roll. We're going to put Shea and or, or Shea, sorry, not Shea and Giddy. We're going to put Giddy and Holmgren in a pick yep. and roll. We're going to put Shea and Holmgren in a pick and roll like immediately. Uh, and so, like, what does that look like? We don't know. Like I said, I think he's a, a good one-read passer. I think he struggled maybe making, like, advanced reads as far as, like, this guy came to help. I'm with, I don't need to throw it to his guy. Yeah. I need to throw it to the guy who's going to rotate to his guy. Right. Um, and I, I don't think he's quite there yet, but offensively he's a little bit more unsure. But just, like, in the short term, park him in the corner, right? Yeah. Like, let him shoot threes. Let him try to crash, off, crash offensive rebounds and set screens for the other guys. I think it's okay. I think offensively he's going to struggle a little bit uh, initially because establishing position is going to be hard for him. But, like, worst comes to worst, he is a neutral offensive player and great defensive player. Yeah. Uh, best case scenario is that he's a, he's a guy who helps contribute. Now, to like back to the pilot conversation, I don't see him being a, we're down four, right? We're going to run three plays in a row right. and Chet's going to go get a bucket. I don't see that. Right. And, and maybe I'm wrong. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people who tell you I'm wrong. I don't see that with him. Yeah, I, I really, I really don't either. And for me, we we talked about like I, I'm I'm big on like positions don't matter, like not positions don't matter, but like 
the numbering of positions or naming of positions. I'm not I'm not big sure. on on that. And with him, it's like a perfect example. I just he's just a basketball player. Like he's just going to be yeah. a basketball player. He's not going to be. I, I can't pigeonhole him into one thing. And a couple things too. I, I there's not many guys who are seven one who can pull down a rebound and go coast to coast. Like I mean, yeah. I'm not saying he's going to do that all the time in the NBA, but Dagnall's he did it quite a bit. To. Yeah, he did it quite a bit in, at Gonzaga. And plus, he had one of the I think top ten college seasons for like player efficiency rating oh yeah like it was it was insane i think like, he was like fourth behind zion yeah i could name the list if i hadn't thought about it but yeah yeah but I mean, anyway so yeah i mean like he is incredibly efficient for you know being that size it's just it, he's so unique man and it, it's I, i'm i would be i would be happy i would be happy if the thunder came away with chet holmgren absolutely yeah i mean i, I don't know why you wouldn't be yeah um like the most negative thing, like <laughs> the only thing I've said so far that it made people immediately go like, wait, 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 one more time, is and I was saying it in a positive way about somebody else, is that Victor Wembanyama is two years younger than him. Yes, like Victor was five days short. I did not know this until two days ago. Victor was born on January fifth, right? So if he was born five days earlier, he's in this draft. Yeah, right. The 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 seven foot tall Frenchman, and so like he would be the number one pick by a mile. Uh, no doubt. Yeah, it'd be yeah. Who, who would be number two? Well, so, so but he's like in actual age, two years younger than Chet. Yeah. He kicked Chet's ass. Yes, he did. In the U19. Absolutely, right? like, he did. Like, kicked his ass. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, that, I was saying that at the time as a compliment to, to Victor. Yes. It's also, I mean, it's like, have some expectations here about Chet. I do... Chet can be a guy who can be a player who plays in very meaningful basketball games, helps the Thunder win a championship. He's not Zion. He's not yeah. LeBron. He's not, you know, he's not going to be one of those guys. He is going to be one of the Marcus Smart level of impacts, you hope, right? Uh, maybe a little bit more, maybe the Jalen Brown level. But, like, he's not the guy, yeah, right? And so if you walk into it with that mindset of, like, we're going to get a player who helps us win a lot, yeah, right? But he's not our Batman. You're gonna be fine, and you're gonna be happy. I, I do. I do have a little bit of like an impending doom feeling about this conversation. <laughs> I'm gonna have to have every day, which is like, no, no, no. He's not your Kobe. Yeah. Like this isn't your guy coming to save your franchise. That's that's not who Chet Holmgren is. Like yeah. he's gonna be a guy who helps you win in a bunch of different ways and be incredibly important and be a top. You know, you hope thirty player, right? But right. like. Guy carrying the Larry O'Brien at the end of the day, winning the Finals MVP. I don't see that, but yeah. you know, I, that's that's more of an indictment on this draft class than him specifically. I don't know if there's that guy here, outside of maybe Paulo, which I and I tell you is a small chance that he's that guy. Yeah, but he's the only one who I can kind of see that ceiling of. Yeah, and uh, I mean, Chet and Victor Wembanyama on the same team is going to look so good in Oklahoma City next year. <laughs> so much hype. <laughs> it's going to be so much hype. It's going to be so great. Um, so moving on to, I, I don't think we need to spend a whole lot of time on Jabari Smith, unless you absolutely want to, just because I think he's going one. <laughs> I, th- I think I, the Magic are going to take him one. you are. Okay. Like I yeah, said, like Orlando the past 48 hours are going to be doing their whole, like, let's talk ourselves into something that, like, let's re- yeah. do all this. Them getting to the end of that conversation and going, hey, let's just take the kid who's seven foot one and does <laughs> right. everything. Yeah. You know, right, like, right. Maybe like yeah. it, like Chet Holmgren's just as much of an Orlando Magic as he is an Oklahoma City Thunder. Like they value the same things that the, that Sam Presti does. They're yeah. just worse at it, right? right? Like, uh, so I wouldn't totally rule that out. As far as Jabari goes, I would say, like most people, when I watched him, I go second best shooter in the draft. 
uh, at his size, probably the most important shooter in the draft. Yeah. Like, it's the value he adds just yeah. based off of his size. Uh, and so that's incredibly – but he is going to be catch, shoot, catch one dribble. Yeah. Nothing else other than that. And I think unless his unless his handle improves in a way like Jason Tatum's did, where it goes from horrendous to pretty good, yeah. and that still got exposed in the finals, he's always going to be that way. And so you're talking about getting like a Richard Lewis-ish type player, uh, which is fine. Uh, I think defensively he's going to be a lot better than Lewis was uh, back in the early 2000s. But uh, I think he's going to compete at the rim. He, he plays he plays great defense uh, on the perimeter for his size. I like him defensively a lot. Seven out of ten, right? Six out of ten, uh, well above average. Uh, and offensively, I like him as like the third or fourth banana uh, yeah. and being incredibly efficient at it. Like he he could average 22 points. And like the Clay Thompson fashion, where it's like he scored twenty two points and dribbled the ball twice, right, like absolutely, and that's yeah. okay. And that he fits way more naturally with Oklahoma City because, like I talked earlier with usage, right? He doesn't need the ball, yeah, right. It's like Josh Giddy dribble, 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 dribble in the lane, kick it to, uh, yeah, Jabari. kick, kick yeah. it out to Jabari. Like he makes Jabari as far as like envisioning his fit is by far the easiest on both oh, yeah. ends of the floor. Like he would fit Oklahoma City like a glove, but again, I think he has. Pretty substantially the lowest ceiling out of the three guys. I got you. And like I said, like we've we've kind of talked about too the um three point shooting, outside shooting, not Oklahoma City's strong suit. I think uh, that's pretty much the worst team of all time, yes, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh I think that problem pretty much gets fixed overnight if you get oh, yeah. Jabari Smith and you know Trey Mann's gonna Do you get a lot like more Jabari playing time. And AJ Griffin? I mean, they insane. would go from one That'd of the worst shooting teams in the league to you know a middle of the road shooting a team with right. all the bad three point shooters they still have. Right, and that's a uh, that's a beautiful segue because I I'm not gonna make you say hey who are the Thunder taking at twelve? Yeah, no, I know that's uh, there a lot of chips have to fall are gonna fall a million different ways uh, on draft night and there could be trades yada yada. But assuming they do keep they do stay at twelve, who are a couple of guess? guys? Yeah, who are a couple of guys that stick out to you that could be in that range so my number one guy is jeremy sohan uh, yes. i've totally fallen in love with him it's kind of he's from england i did not know that born in he Gaiman, grew up, grew up in england. england grew up in england he's from milton keys right in england um but he's an arsenal fan so i you're not you know very i mean i guess i would guess not a very big premier league no guy uh that's just I gotta question his decision making. He's off my board. Gotcha. Entirely. Uh born in Guyman, moved to England, played one year of high school basketball with Jade Nivey, then obviously spent a year at Baylor. Uh so he's lived all over. It's really great story, like yeah. personal story. Uh Joe Masato did a good piece about him in the in the Oklahoma there. I want you to read. Um uh, Jeremy Sohan is like my guy. I don't think he's gonna be there at twelve. I think he's gonna go earlier. I think he's the best defender in this draft by a pretty significant margin. Yep. I think he might be the smartest player in this draft. I just don't think he's got like the natural gifts that everyone else has. Frankly, I think it's amazing he's as good as he is. Yeah. Because if you watch him, he's not overly athletic, right? He's a big guy, but he's not like massive, right? He he has a decent wingspan, but it's not like 7-7 seven, seven yeah. on a 7-1 seven, body. Like nothing about him screams top 10 pick other than his brain, man. Yeah. He is so smart. He understands basketball so well. And I, I hate making this comparison because it's it's not fair to the guy I'm comparing him to, but it, it's like trying to explain Draymond Green's value. Like like when you have that argument, people are never going to quite like, oh, he's not a good shooter, you know, he may, but he is so smart and is always in the right spot and always making the right decision. And frankly, it, it can know what decision you're going to make, anticipate that, and take the ball away. Like 
Jeremy Sohan is going to be the best defender in this draft. Like I, I would almost put my like life on it. Yeah, it's just going to be if he can figure out the other end. And on the other end, if he's the only non-shooter, I think you can use him a lot like Draymond Green. Right? Sets the screen, short he can, roll, he can read, facilitate. Yeah, he read, can play. Me. Make a one, make a one pass read. Like I think he can absolutely do that. Right? Or be the screen setter off the ball. Now, if you have him and Giddy and Dort, it gets real clunky in a hurry. But just like as far as a player goes, Jeremy Sohan is a guy who I would bet on in a major way to contribute on defense and improve. And so, yeah, like, yeah. whose jump shot gets, whose jump shot goes from very bad, which Sohan was, to passable to good, uh, he's a guy I would bet on. Yeah. Uh, just because of who he is upstairs and kind of, you know, just the, the make of model. Because, like I said, nothing about him, as far as his physical characteristics, should put him where he is. He's gotten there purely based off what, what's between his ears, yeah. and like that just that 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 like enthralls me a lot of like what he's going to be at the NBA. Terrified he's going to like the Kings are going to trade back and take him or something, right. and then I'm just going to be super wrong. Right. It's like the year I was really two years ago, man. I was all in on Killian Hayes. Oh yeah, you know this whole big yeah. thing about Killian left-handed point, you know, left-handed guard coming out of uh, the, out of the Euro leagues, really explosive. Got I me. Mean, he's got a lot to work on decision making, but a good you know he goes to Detroit. And I'm like, okay, I'm wrong. Never like, mind. Yeah. The next day, I came on the air. Like, hey, I was wrong about Killian Hayes. <laughs> right. Like, I'm already gonna tell you I'm wrong. Uh, I, I hope Sohan goes to a place that's gonna utilize him in a good way. Uh, so he's a guy that I love the yep. most, and I'll go a little bit quicker. No, you're um, AJ Griffin is a guy I like. The injury stuff is worrisome. Uh, the weight is worrisome more so than the injuries for me. Uh, is this gonna be like a? Let's uh, use Joel Embiid because he's popular, right? Joel Embiid and can't go look at pictures of him in Kansas, right? Long, slender, tall. Yeah. Got hurt, put on a bunch of weight. He's been big since. You yeah. know, and like, if you talk to the Sixers, they would tell you they probably wanted 20 pounds, 25 pounds lighter. But he's just struggled to get the weight off. AJ Griffin got hurt twice in high school, once in college, right before the season got started. And he's just frankly bigger than he was in high school, right? And so he's not as athletic. I'm not as worried because none of the injuries he had were like catastrophic, right? Like he tore his Achilles or blew out his ACL. Like it's all just, you know, stuff like strains and stuff like that that should heal. Where I'm, so, his athleticism disappearing from high school because he was maybe the most athletic guy in this yeah, class, and then he wasn't at Duke. For me, and I'm a novice at like medical stuff. It's it's like, oh well, yeah, he's 25 pounds heavier. Right. Like, of course he isn't jumping as high right. or running as fast. Can he get that weight back off? Uh, would be the question because I assumed it was going to get better at Duke, and then it didn't. Like when he came out in the first couple months, and people were like, oh man, AJ Griffin's disappointing. I was like, oh, okay, let's. Let's let this thing get to March, and then whenever he's putting up 25, right, off this yeah. isolation scoring, we'll all feel differently. He was on a team with a lot of talent. He didn't get the ball a lot, but his athleticism didn't come back. And so, like, that just gives me a little bit of pause. But I think he is the best shooter in the draft. Yeah. Again, I think Jabari Smith's shooting is more important because he's so much bigger. Uh, but I think he is the best pure shooter in the draft. I think he's got defensive upside, but he wasn't very good at Duke. Uh, I think he got beat a lot off the dribble when I watched him. Um, But... That superstar talent is there, you know, and yeah. you know he's comes from good stock. Obviously, Adrian Griffin, the former uh, assistant coach here at Oklahoma City, so you assume he's going to get it figured out. It's just going to be if that athleticism ever returns. So he's a little bit more risky. Um, yeah, and so like those are two guys that I that I, I kind of envision in that spot. Like Benedict Matherin, I think is gone. I know that's oh, a yeah, guy who Thunder. Gone. Yeah, I think that's a guy who Thunder fans like. Dyson Daniels is gone. Yeah, he has um, shot up draft boards too. Yeah. Ushman Zhang is a guy who like a lot of people love. Yeah. 
I watch him and I go, yeah, that could be a Thunder player. I listen to a press conference and be as boring as Styrofoam and I go, yep, that yep, could be a Thunder yep, player. Yep. I wasn't overly impressed, just bluntly. Yeah. Like, I thought he was fine. Uh, but, you know, that's just my two cents on him. As far as other guys that I, I just don't think are getting enough conversation, I'll give you three. Let's do it. Quickly. Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara. Yes. Kicking flat out shoot. Absolutely. And, and he's yeah. a guy who I, I, you know, I, I don't have as much time as everybody else, right? So he's a guy I did not get to until Thursday of last week. I didn't watch any of, yeah. right? I didn't watch yeah. any Santa Clara this year. And I watched two games of Santa Clara and then obviously some highlights. And I go, whoa. This kid can really play. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I, you know, I listened to his interview that he gave uh, this morning or yesterday morning, and he seems like a good kid, right? And so he's a guy who I liked, who a guy who I didn't know anything about, who I within an hour was like, oh, I would want this guy to be on my favorite team. He's a guy I like. I like Tari Eason uh, defensively from LSU. Yes, uh, really explosive. He is a guy that I've read in a handful of places that there might be like we talk about like the stuff that I don't know because like the tape looks great. Yeah. Yeah. He's not as high as he should be. Why is that? Oh, well, that that might be my answer. Right, right. The people who are actually evaluating how he's doing in interviews and what they they don't have him as high. Yeah. So that, that I've might got tell a conspiracy me. on that because yeah. the tape of Tari Eason I like a lot. Yeah. And I think that there's some team in around like the 15, 14 range that's like, yeah, that Tari Eason guy, he stinks. Or not, or maybe say like eighteen, eighteen oh, yeah. ish. That's like, oh, where your bulls are at, at eighteen. They're like, no, that Tar Eason guy, he stinks, man. Oh, he's oh, terrible. Yeah, and then they're like, please don't draft him because yeah, yeah, we really maybe. want him to come. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Uh, because, I, you know, I mean, the tape is good. Uh, Malachi Branham, I won't waste a ton of time on because he's gained a bunch of steam. So if you want to hear about yeah. Malachi Branham, turn on any podcast. Yeah. But freshman out of Ohio State caught fire at the end of the year. Uh, he is another one of those guys that, like, just seems to play the right way. Uh, and so, like, upstairs, I kind of dig a lot about who he is. The guy who I like the most, who won't go at 12, I assume. I look like a genius if he does now. Oh, yeah. After this. Uh, and I've talked about it a little bit on the air, but not a lot. Is Nikola Jovic? Yeah. Big fan. Offensively, as far as guys I just like from like, hey, we're going to put the ball in his hand. There's 20 seconds on the clock. Let's just let him cook. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's five guys in this draft class who I like more than him. Like, big fan. Dribble, pass, great reads, right? Can shoot, can get to the rim, can finish, great free throw shooter. A disaster on defense, like hey, uh, I mean, yeah, just yep. a disaster. But you're talking about picking at 12, and you have a guy there that I'm telling you, I watch him and I go, if he was give now he might give up more on the other end, right? But if you give him 36 minutes, which he won't get in year one, I think he could average 18 points. Yeah, like I think he could. He can play. You know, like offensively, he is so good uh, and so fluid and natural, yes. and just makes it seem so easy. I just watched all. I watched two of his games. I watch basically my process. I watch two games, watch some clips, and I watch one more game on the back end. That's kind of like my talk myself into him, and then okay, wait, do I actually think this guy is good at the end? Right. I just infatuated the entire time with him. Like he gets his butt kicked on defense. Defense is something that maybe you can get it figured out. Does it make sense to have him and Giddy, who are pretty similar defensively, right? Oversized ball handlers that you probably want to put on the worst offensive player of the other team. I, I don't know if the fit with Oklahoma City is great, but. God, like that talent is outrageous. And you talk about feel, which is a big thing that Oklahoma City has, uh, you know, been in on now a lot. Feel, he has, so he has some of the most, the, like he has so much feel for the game, and it just like oozes out of him. That you're just like, oh, this guy knows where to be at all times. And so when you're watching him play, like one of the things that I always focus on is, okay, let's go find a play where he never touches the ball. 
What is he doing? Is he standing in a quarter stationary? Is he moving around? Is he in the way? A lot of guys are in the way, Mm -hmm. right? Like, a lot of guys are in the way offensively when they don't have the ball. Jovic is never in the way, right? And it's always filling gaps and always cutting at the right time or popping out to the corner or being a release valve for a ball handler caught. Like, just gets it, man, offensively. Just absolutely gets it. I love him. Everything you said about Nikola Jovic, I I second. And especially the fluidity in his game. Like, that, that kid... Fluid movements, man. There's no herky jerky. There's no like uncoordination. No, he is what six ten and and yeah. fluid athlete. And um, the, I think a thing that gets that gets overlooked with Jovic, uh, specifically on his fit with the Thunder, it was it would give Poku a Serbian brother in arms. Oh, that's so, true. I'm just saying it, it, would, it would we would be uh, Serbia's second NBA team beside besides the uh, the Nuggets. Chisholm, uh, we'll end up here with some some kind of rapid fire. Okay. Questions here. Sorry, I know I'm long winded. No, we're good. No, it's perfect. It's perfect. I I don't want to come on here and you know, I want I want you guys to you know give your own opinions on stuff. I want to let you guys let you guys talk it out. Um, so first off, a player in this draft who you are high on. I think we might have just talked about him, but everyone else is kind of like, eh, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, Jovic has been would be my like natural natural go to. Let me see if I could let me see if I can quickly. Because I've done some work at 34, right? right. Trying to find a guy uh, in the second round that I like a lot. Uh, and I don't know if there's like a... I don't know if there's like a, uh, a JRE. Like last year, like when they brought him in for a workout, you know, they bring in a bunch of guys for workouts mm-hmm. and they brought in JRE and I watched, you know, 20 minutes of one of his games and I go, yeah, I see it. Like yeah. I see why they like him. I, I didn't like pick him that they're going to take him, but I liked him. Uh Jaden Hardy is an obvious one who a lot of people like. Uh, another guy who I like is Dalen Terry. Yeah. Out of Arizona. Obviously, everyone knows Benedict Matherin, uh, who's going to be the guy from yeah. that team. I'm always a little interested, right, when you have an apex predator, maybe the best player in the country, by far the best player on the team, guard. Who's the guy next to him? Yeah. Right? Because like, that's a hard role. Yeah. Like, if you're the secondary guard and you just know— 80% of the time, I'm not going to have the ball, and I have to find a way to be efficient and valued without him out here. And then when he goes to the bench, I need to crank it to 10. Yep. That's a massive ask. Like, that's not an easy role to fill. Uh, and I usually fall in love with those secondary guards who do it well. And I thought Terry did it well. Yeah. Um, and so just as far as like trying to find guys, because again, it, it goes back to the, they have a lot of ball handlers, Oklahoma City. They have a lot of guys who are going to need the ball a lot. Well, people have to play with them, right? Like, they have to have other guys out there on the floor who don't need the ball. I think Terry could be one of those guys. And, and then be one of those guys that, okay, you know, Giddy's in foul trouble, Shea's on the bench. Crank it to Tim, bro. Like, you yeah. know, let's see if you can get – you got to you gotta facilitate the offense now. I think that's, he could, that that could be a role that he could fill pretty easily. Yeah. Uh, as far as, like, picks a guy, guys at 34, that that would probably be my, my favorite right there in that range. Right. Um yeah, mine mine would would be Tari Eason that some people are just cooling on, and I'm like, I just I see it. You, man. That, they, I just see it. I just convince myself that there's something they don't know. That, Absolutely, yeah. And so next on on the flip side, vice versa, a player that everyone is kind of like, yes, I I, I kind of like everyone's kind of in on, and you're just like, I I don't see it. My mine is Keegan Murray. Uh, Keegan Murray, I think, is going to be a great fifth best player, uh, right? Or fourth best player. Uh, defensively, I think he's ready. Offensively. You know, he played a lot in transition, and so, like, yeah. how much do you value layups? Uh, I've wrestled with Dyson Daniels a lot. And the reason yes. I wrestled with Dyson Daniels is because 
everyone who I respect tells me how good he is. And all I see is like a guy who's like tw- like 20% less the player is Josh Giddy. Right. Like yeah. similar similar play styles, play on the same freaking team. Yeah. Um he's a he's a good passer but nowhere near Josh, right? He's just as an athletic, right. just as much of a liability on defense, and just as much of a question mark shooting. I don't know. Like, I, I guess, like, I I kind of get it, but my two cents is just, like, am I just drafting a guy who is, like, one, you know, four-fifths of the player of Josh Giddy? What do I want to take? Do I want to take that guy at seven? Right. You know what I mean? Like, I struggle with that. I think Dyson Daniels is a good player, and maybe that's more of just, like, the draft class as a whole. I just... Him being like the sixth or seventh pick. I mean, there's a report today that he's not going to get it past six. Yeah. That's insane. You know, I, yeah. I, I taking him at nine, 10, 11, totally get behind. Taking him at five, six, seven, I would just be a little squeamish that you're you're just signing yourself up for a ball handler who's going to struggle to score. Absolutely. And okay, so next rapid fire, we're going to go with a past NBA draft who won. You just nailed. You were like, nailed it. Mine, mine from a couple years ago, I even tweeted out that I said, whoever drafts Sadiq Bay is getting the steal of the draft. So I, I thought, yeah. I'm, I'm very proud of that one. Do you put like 70 this year? 60 was <laughs> well, a big yeah, number, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then my, my one that I it just, I flat out just did not, I, I've had multiple. Sure. But um, I, I really yeah, how thought. How many do you want on that one? Right. I, I was about to say, we can go an hour on that. Um. My Jaleel Okafor, I thought he should have been the number one pick over Carl Anthony Towns. Now, oh, okay. Duke Bias coming in, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the league was changing into like, no, this traditional center thing, we don't do that thing anymore. Yeah. So a guy that you absolutely nailed and feel, feel really good about, still feel really good about today. And then a guy you just were like, what What was I thinking? Well, the nail thing is easy. Uh, last year on the Thursday of the draft, we were doing like a okay, who are they gonna take? And I said, I I just think that Jonathan Kaminga, all the stuff I'm reading about these interviews, it's just, he's just not gonna be a Thunder guy. They're just yeah. not gonna take a character question mark. And so I said they're gonna pick Josh Giddy. Yeah. Um. And I, to my knowledge, I'm the only person who went on the record as as like as that oh, yeah. that being their official prediction. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Uh. But I loved Josh last year. I. I Loved everything I saw of him out of the uh, the Australian League and kind of the way that he he was going to fit in with a guy like Shea. I still think that fit is better than people think. I'm not as concerned about it as other people are. Uh, I like Josh upstairs again. Like I'm a big like between the ears guy uh, as far as like competitiveness and like does that show itself on the floor and are you willing to kind of like you know switch up your role based off what your team needs as opposed to like maybe your own selfish desires and Josh like screamed all of that. Yeah. Uh, so like I was super high on Josh last year, mm. uh, and so he was my prediction at six. Uh, so I feel pretty vindicated after one Absolutely. year. Absolutely, uh, as you should. Yeah. Uh, as far as guys I missed on, like Killian Hayes is an easy one. Jalen Suggs, I'm not going to give up on, but he had a right. rough rookie right. year. Uh, that I, I mean, I had Jalen Suggs is my number one prospect last year. I'm not going to give up on it again. Right. We'll see. Time will tell. It's only been one year. Yeah, yeah. It's only been one year. Um, you know, I, I missed on a bunch. Right, there was one draft where I was convinced that I wanted. I'm trying to find one that I was like super duper opinionated on, right? That I like was like a hard stand, like this guy's going to be awesome, and then yeah. he was, oh Zach Collins. Oh yeah, Zach Collins going out against Zag. I was like, ah, that's it, man. People yeah. talk about the future of the NBA. There it is, baby. Modern big man could shoot, right? Could post up. He had a nice little fadeaway game at Gonzaga. 
uh, could dribble a little bit. I was like, all he's, you know, he can, if he can figure out the passing and reading the defense, he's going to be okay. But offensively, he is a, a plus, plus, plus. And defensively, he's big enough and strong enough to be able to play small ball five and block shots. Great rebounder. Like, yeah. I was like pounding the table for Zach Collins. Maybe it was the hair. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, but Zach struggled with injuries. And frankly, you know, he could get in the rotation this year for, for uh, San Antonio. Yeah. You know, and, San Antonio was bad. And, uh, and since this is OKC82, formerly. Brought to you by Brady and Madison. I should just point out that they say you look like Zach Collins. So that's <laughs> true. That's that, I think that had a lot to do with it. Oh, another one. Well. Chris Dunn, bro. Uh, yeah. I don't know yeah. if I could have been more convinced that some guy was going to eventually be an all defensive team player who yeah. just didn't get a second contract. <laughs> right. But like coming out of like, I was so convinced that I was like, bro, that defense is stellar. His jump, he he had a uh, oh gosh, what's the guy at Baylor this past year? Yeah, uh, playing Sacramento now. Oh, Davion Mitchell. Yeah, Davion. Yeah. He had a Davion Mitchell year, right? Where he was bad shooter, bad shooter, bad shooter. Senior year, incredible shooter. Yep. yep. And I was like, okay, he's figured it out. Don't buy that. Like one year, <laughs> right. one year of of great shooting usually is uh don't draft that guy. Right. Uh, I was so convinced Chris Dunn was gonna be awesome. And then when he got traded to the Bulls for Jimmy Butler, I was like, oh my gosh. Like I was like, I fired up. Yeah. So last, a couple. I've, last, I've missed a bunch. Last last question. Um what do you what do you want your Bulls to do at eighteen? Uh, trade that pick away and uh, <laughs> find a way to convince Zach Levine not to leave. I, I, they have found a way to somehow, it, early in the season, give me hope, rip that hope away, and now make me feel like they were more they're more lost now than they were a year ago. Uh, and the 18th pick is tough. Like Atari Eason's there. Like I'm yeah, super interested in Atari swing, Eason, right? right? Yeah. Uh, you know, Hardy is a guy who I'm interested in. Uh, but the 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 Demar Derozan thing worked out really well this year. I'm a little worried about regression, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but they got to find a way to keep Zach and Lonzo healthy. For sure. For sure. Chisholm, man, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, man. Um, I mean, you have an open invite to come whenever. Anytime, bro. You, you can come on whenever. I used to I used to be on this podcast feed weekly. Every week. No, that's right. Yeah, you and Brady. Yeah. You and Brady. Okay, well, yeah. you know, should we beat it and daily, right? I think, I <laughs> yeah, think we hourly. should do this We'll daily. put our new podcast every hour. Hourly. Absolutely. Yeah. So be, little micro podcast. Be sure to stay interviews. tuned every day for Chisholm and I on OKC82. But, hey, man, I really do appreciate you taking the time out, man. I of course, man. You're going to crush this. This is an awesome podcast feed, man. I'm glad you're, you're uh, jumping on top of it. I was worried this is going to die into the ether. So I'm, I'm glad I'm, someone who I know is going to do a good job is doing it. Glad we're resurrecting it. And, and by the way, uh, I didn't get a chance to tell you yesterday because I felt like a little too in the moment. But happy first Father's Day. Oh, thank just, you. Just passed. So thank happy you, first Father's you, Day, you. man. Uh, again, My appreciate you. My screamed at me yes. for two hours this morning because he, he needed to poop and couldn't do it. So that's fatherhood. Did you just egg him on? Were you like, come on, man? Like, did you encourage him? Was that like, you got like well, positive reinforcement? I, well, first off, he doesn't know what that is. Uh, <laughs> well, you never know. You never know. Uh, it's a lot of rubbing kid. their stomach, right? Oh, okay. you're, just, you're just like, come on, man. Work it out, bro. You can do it. <laughs> you know, just work it out. Just sitting there rubbing his stomach, hoping for the best. I love it, man. Chism, I appreciate it. Guys, uh, you probably already know this, but you can listen to Chisholm uh, every weekday from 3 to 6 on 107.7 The Franchise. You don't even have to listen. Just tell people you listen. True. Yes. You know, like, yes. I, I don't care if you listen to me. Just tell people you listen Absolutely. to me. Absolutely. Tell important. people. Spread the word. Spread the good word. But Chisholm, appreciate it, man. Thanks, Thank you so much. Have you on soon. Peace.